Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. How bootstrapping your company is better for business. So it should be more attractive to people, but for some reason it's not. So why is raising capital more celebrated than building a business that's actually profitable? Well, today we're out to prove that driving a good business does not require venture capital and you do not need VC money to attract and hire the right talent. Today's quote, bootstrapping is a way to do something about the problems you have without letting someone else give you permission to do them. Tom Preston Warner, who's the co-founder of GitHub. I've never met him before, but I heard he's pretty cool. He's got a good quote. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and hiring managers avoid costly hiring mistakes. We identify a specific problem and provide proven solutions to help you win the right hire. We share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Matul Shah, who is the CEO of Demand Matrix. Matul has been a tech entrepreneur, wait, since the age of 18, right? Yes. Boom. First gig when I was 18. Super impressive. All right. Having built three successful companies prior to starting Demand Matrix, his entrepreneurial vision and inspiration comes from his desire to create and bring products to the marketplace that can help solve problems he himself has faced in his career. So the combination of his years of successful entrepreneur combined with his tenure at Microsoft to give him a strong shape to his business acumen and technical expertise. He's also been featured in several major publications like CIO, NYT, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Huffington Post, and VentureBeat, and more. So if you ask him to introduce himself in less than five minutes or five seconds, he'd probably say that he's an idea machine, health freak, and a wine lover. All right, I got you on the wine lover thing, Matul. <laughs> and he is deeply passionate about sales and marketing, productivity, given his time working for and selling enterprise software companies like Microsoft, DocuSign, um, Google, and Cisco. So Matil, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Well, thank you. I'm happy to have you. Today, we are we're going to discuss bootstrapping. So let's talk about what it is, some of the challenges and benefits, uh, particularly in a hiring type situation. And let's give everybody a process to hire when you do not have the money to burn. I think also bootstrapping, just as a side note, is probably the smartest way to do it because then you're not going to take a chance on a hire. Would you agree? Yeah, no, totally. All right. So what is bootstrapping? Uh, fill us in, Matul. Well, I think at a fundamental level, right? I mean, if you think about bootstrapping is, you know, building a business, running a business without outside or venture money. This could be your own money or no money. Uh, and that means you run it like a real business. You know, you build something that is valuable for people and you essentially get paid for it and you generate profit. Uh, I think many times this notion kind of gets lost in places like Silicon Valley. You know, you're not expected to generate you know, profit, or sometimes it's even frowned upon to generate profit. And there's been, you know, a lot of successful companies that never even generated a single dime of revenue and had a successful you know, exit. So nothing against that. But uh, fundamentally, that's how I think about bootstrapping is essentially building actual real business, where you generate the profit, and then you essentially invest or reinvest that profit into the business and, and distribute this, uh, you know, this growth, this success with the people with whom 
you're building this company, um, you know, together. Okay, so why Bootstrap? Yeah, I think it's it's I think it's a fundamental. It's maybe it's a bit bit of a, a philosophical thing. I think my and again, this is my version of it. Right. Then the reason, sure. you know, I have been kind of bootstrapping that I want to make sure that this is an actual real business. Right. And I'm doing it for the right reason. And what I mean by that's that like voodoo. That you... <laughs> <laughs> that's so and, there's so many people that just want to raise money just so they could build something and then they figure out how to make money later. And it's also, you know, it's part of this whole hype cycle. Right. I mean, like. I live in Silicon Valley, and then every and every time I meet somebody and I say, "Hey, I'm doing a startup," the first question they would say is, "Okay, how much money have you raised? Are you are you funded?" And I'm always thinking, you know, in my head is like, "Why, you know, do you have to be funded? Why is that the first fundamental question?" Because they're brainwashed, you know. Yeah, it's it's because we have been kind of brainwashed, and that's what it's kind of talked about. That's being celebrated. I forgot who mentioned that, that it's it's never celebrated that, you know, you have a profitable, you know, profitable, successful business. It's always about how much money have you raised and, you know, how many people have you hired and things like that. You know, it's funny. I just saw a video going around a couple of days ago, and I think it was Gary Vee. Gary Vee was talking about how we celebrate these big capital raises, but we never celebrate the businesses that are driving revenue, that are making profit, that are actually making money. Yep. Crazy. Yep. So you chose to bootstrap primarily because you felt you wanted to build the business first. Yes. I wanted to kind of make sure that the idea is legitimate. Idea has legs. And, you know, when you're, you know, as, as Steve Jobs said, right, stay hungry, stay, stay, stay foolish. When, you, when, you, when you're on a lean budget, I think it allows you to be very creative. It allows you to develop solutions that are very creative. It allows you to dig deep, you know, and helps companies kind of focus on the right priorities as opposed to sometimes on vanity metrics. And once you establish the fact that, yes, you have a legitimate business, you have proven product market fit, there is an MVP, your customers are willing to pay you for that. And then if you chose that, you know what, I want 10x growth. Now I really want to bring in higher power sales guys, uh, amazing you know, 10x engineers or, or developers and whatnot. And for that, I need money, which acts as a rocket fuel. I think that's when yours and investors or VCs' expectations are aligned together. Because otherwise, I think the expectations are misaligned between you and your investors. And I think that's where a lot of the companies get into trouble. I can definitely see that. I think also when you raise capital, you take more risks when you're hiring. You had mentioned when we talked before that you, you got a lot of pressure on you when you take VC money, especially at the early stages, to scale and grow really quickly. So the care is not put into the hiring process to make sure that the right butt is in the right seat. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right? And I mean, if you think about the whole VC ecosystem and how they are being compensated, right? I mean, they have LPs money. They essentially have to grow that money to essentially get rewarded for that and get their success fee. Uh, and on an average, they can focus on, you know, good VCs can focus only on whatever, eight, 10 companies. And for them to do that and for them to return that uh, investment to the LP and show the growth, they have to see the 10x growth. And for them to see that 10x growth, they have to invest that much capital. And for them to invest that much capital, you know, that money needs to be spent. And then so they I put the money into a bunch of different companies and then they find their their favorites, and then they reinvest in those. 
Exactly. And yeah. and the fund has a life cycle and, you know, you have to be part of that life cycle. And hence, I think what's the famous quote of this is, uh, triple, triple, double, 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 double uh, to the billion dollar revenue. And if you cannot do that, then you're not attracted to them. All right. Let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges you faced while hiring as you've been building your business. So you bootstrapped, you've built your company up to how many people now? We are kind of fully distributed global company. We have, you know, offices here in Valley, in Australia, you know, in, in India. Over the years, I think, <clears throat> in our total, um, we have gone all the way up to 150 people. And you're making you know, money. That is correct. See, that's impressive. You would think that most people, rather than saying how much money have you raised, would be like more, far more impressed about the fact that you're making money, number one. So when somebody joins you, the stock is actually has a lot more value than somebody who's got diluted shares. And that's that's the the that's a very interesting thing, right? I mean, every time I talk to a candidate, more than you know, I would think that you know, many times people would ask me this question: What is the viability of the company? Do you? I mean, they're kind of indirectly asking me that question: Is are you sure that you know you'll be able to pay me next month or month after that? <laughs> you, you got know, 150 people. I think you're making payroll. <laughs> well, I mean, as, as opposed, you know, as opposed to like, if you're a VC funded company, that question usually never shows up. If the company is going to be viable or not. Yeah. And the, you know, the, the funny part is that, sorry, I get emotional about these things. <laughs> <laughs> well, VC sorry, firms can come in at any time and pull their cash out. <laughs> exactly. Right. I've, I've been through a couple Startups, at least I know of a couple of startups, and uh, you know, some ways, and I was an investor, and, and the companies, you know, were folded. You know, where I thought the company was very viable companies like three or four months ago, and then they just decided to shut down because, again, investors and entrepreneurs' you know, expectations are misaligned. Delve into some of the challenges you faced when you started out. Didn't have a lot of money. How were you able to attract people? What did what did you learn as you were going through the process? Yeah, this has been a, a crazy journey. I think there's been so <laughs> many interesting interesting learnings that, that has come out of it. Because our perception was when we started, I mean, when you start, right? I mean, you tend to hire people within a group or within the people you know, your friends, and you're very similar, like-minded kind of people. There's no process. There is no management per se. And you think that hiring is just some something you kind of go and advertise and reach out and people show up and oh yeah this guy and this gal seems to solve this particular technical challenge and seems like a good fit you know for the role that we're hiring and we just end up hiring them. But as the company grows and scales, I think these are some of the interesting challenges you run into or we have run into is you know as we didn't have the process. We kind of didn't know as to how to attract, you know, the right talent, like where to advertise, how to essentially get the right people. What should be the process? What should be the experience for the candidate, you know, from the first outreach to the time that they're onboarded? How should you even actually interview them? Because every job has a different requirements, right? What are you exactly looking for in these candidates? What are the values that you're looking for outside of the skills, right? What should be the interview process? Who should interview what, right? Because the most interesting aspect that one of the candidates told me later on, once we hired them, we were just kind of having a couple of beers and it was like, 
Like, did you know that, you know, all three of you, when you interviewed me, asked me kind of same question? I'm like, what? <laughs> and nothing turns off a candidate more than, so where do you want to be in five years? Asked by three different people. <laughs> if you want to really not impress a candidate, especially good ones, ask them the same question three or four times. Exactly, right? Yeah. So he didn't have that process. You got you lucky know, and he uh, took the job, though, huh? <laughs> yeah, he did. He did, and he, he was kind enough to, or maybe he was a little bit, little bit half high enough to kind of share some of the details with me. And that's it. I'm like, oh, okay, beers will do that so, for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think it's it's absolutely mandatory. I think actually I put it in some of my, you know, JDs now saying, hey, if you if you don't have cannot have beer pong or cannot have beer, I think we need to have different kinds. <laughs> in an early stage. It costs you a lot of money, too, when you make a bad hire. And I don't think that a lot of entrepreneurs think about it. I think if you bootstrap, you think about it. Actually, that's probably one of the worst mistakes you can ever have. You know, the, the very, you know there are some mistakes that you can, you can withstand and you can recover from. Some of these mistakes, if you do early on, these are some of the mistakes you cannot recover from. You know, if I cannot hire someone and if, you know, if you're not able to find somebody for whatever reason, you're struggling, but that's fine. You're still pulling it off. Worst thing a company can do is hire somebody and even bootstrap is worse is you hire somebody and after three or six months, you figure out that this was not the hire or this is a bad hire because it has ramifications across the board because every position is critical. But on top of that, I think it also sets a little bit of a bias in the culture, right? That, you know, we end up having people and people don't stay here. What is going on? Right? Is this something happening in the company that I do not know? Yeah. And, and it, it does degrade the, the morale of the company. And it does a lot of different things when you have one bad hire. I mean, it can, it can completely desecrate your productivity, your ability to attract other people, and you'll get attrition. There's nothing worse than having your best people leave an environment. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. All right, you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm Rick Gerard. For our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Find out how healing a person's pain points attracts amazing people to your company. Sign up for our passive talent workshops at stridesearch.com. Today, our guest is Matul Shah. He's the CEO of Demand Matrix, and we are talking about bootstrapping. Not Bootstrap Bill, not the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, but we're talking about the uh, the benefits of bootstrapping and how to actually hire properly if you've bootstrapped your organization. But this actually transcends across even companies that are funded. You really need to focus in on hiring right, especially if you're burning investor money. All right. So as an entrepreneur, if you had to do it all over again, where would you start? Talk to me about what would you coach a new entrepreneur to be aware of? Mm, that's... Uh... Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's a low. I just asked you like three questions in one. <laughs> 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 That'll lead up um, the rest of the show. Yeah, where would you start? Um, I think fundamentally I would start, you know, by knowing who you are. Right? And that, that might sound a little bit cliche and so forth. But I think it's very important, you as a CEO or you as an entrepreneur. And many times you kind of think that you, you, you know yourself. But you know, when you really dig down, and I, I had one of the coaches that, you know, you have the weekly updates uh, to them, hey, this is what's happening, and this is what we're doing. And he would say, okay, don't tell me what this tactical stuff. Tell me why you're doing this. And he was like, what do you mean, why am I doing this, right? 
But the more I dig deep and think about it, why am I doing something? Right? It'll, it'll bring out some of the values that you believe. So that's why it's very fundamentally important to, to understand yourself and who you are. Well, it also and determines the culture because you are the culture. You're the heart of the culture. And, and I don't think, you know, it's like, I think at conscious level, it's understood. But I don't think it, when you really implement it or when you, you know, internalize it, it's very well understood. I think we kind of talked about it, right? That, you know, if you ask any CEO, is teamwork important? They'll say, yeah, absolutely, it's important. Right? What are you talking about? <laughs> and when you ask them, they're, okay, tell me how, you know, how do you implement teamwork, right? Uh, what, give me an example of that or why is that a value? People will just kind of look at you like you're in front of a headline. Yeah, they go, well, I have my people do it. I have my people implement teamwork. No, it's interesting how many CEOs and entrepreneurs that I've met are not really self-aware. And that's a really good point that you bring up. You should know who you are before you start up a company. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Unless you get a lot of money, like a truckload, and then the company grows in spite of you. (laughs) In that situation, then then you you know what's what's happening. Then you're not building a company. You're just working for someone. If you're going to work for someone, why do you want to go through the whole process? Just go get a job. Good point. So understand who you are. What's next? I think this might sound like, you know, you kind of paid me for this, but uh, you did. <laughs> no, but, it's a free uh, show. I don't, I don't pay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the important of HR and more than HR is talent acquisition. Having that expert in your early hires or in your initial hires who can help you build this whole process we kind of talked about, right? This to What's the, how should you source the right candidate? What should be the approach like? What should be the interview process? What should be onboarding look like? What should be a 90-day plan look like? To make sure that you're not making these biased mistakes. And one of the examples I can kind of give is that, that when you're bootstrapping, you in, in general tend to oscillate. Well, in general, I, I tell you know my wife that I have two mental states, either panic or euphoria. Right? I mean, I, I don't have any in-between states. Uh, right. But when you're in one of those states, right, that now you have a customers and customers are demanding something and you have to deliver and, holy shit, you don't have people. And now you just go and say, okay, let's hire people. And when you're focusing on that mode that, okay, I need somebody because I'm kind of desperate. That's the wrong mindset. Ignore. That's where you get in trouble. Exactly. You yeah. tend to ignore a lot of, you know, warning signs. You tend to ignore a lot of things. And you end up hiring people that may or may not be the right fit for the company, for the values, for the cultures, what you're building. And I think an expert, you know, like a talent acquisition expert or an HR expert can help you, you know, in that does, you know, we told probably you might want to step back and think about it. You know, that I, I know a guy, I know a guy can help with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great yeah, point though. That. Don't be desperate. Go get coaching. You know, you mentioned that actually you had delved into and, and found some recruiting processes and just tried to pick up and learn some of it on your own. Completely overlooked and something that most entrepreneurs and business leaders just do not do. But I mean, also, I don't think this is even very well. You know, it's like when you start a company, you say, oh, yeah, make sure you have technical co-founder or somebody can you know, write good code. And, well, you know, I think that's, you know, that's an important part of it. But how many entrepreneurs actually even know and to look for, right? That, okay, you know what? I, I don't know how to do recruiting really well. 
you know, I think there's even talked about that you should be spending 20% of your time in recruiting if you're a series A company and blah, blah, blah. You should always be recruiting, you know, all these kind of things. But if I need help, where do I go, right? I mean, who do I talk to? There's no 1-800 number I can call and say, <laughs> hey, you know what? You know? <laughs> Yeah, you can call 949-777-5656. I pick up the there phone. I'm accessible. <laughs> All right. And I did not pay send you me, for this message. Send me send me 5% referral fee every time you get a new <laughs> Do you mind if I share a process? Sure. So you bring it up first. Determine what the business needs and, and understand yourself. When you go to set up a hiring process, you want to really think about not what your ego wants or what you know, the job that needs to be filled, you need to think about what the business needs, and then you need to set performance metrics. You should build an interview process to gauge people against that core company value alignment. First and foremost, skills can always be taught, personality cannot be. And then uh, you want to formalize your interview structure, have a purpose, predetermine your questions, make it timed, and do what Amazon does. Amazon does one thing very, very well. They ask behavioral interviewing-based questions, and they really dig deep to get to the heart of who a person is. And then finally, put in a communication and feedback channel. Make sure that keep people aware of what's going on and, you know, get help. All right, we got to wrap up right now. Just really quickly, what would be three takeaways that you'd want our audience to come away with? I guess fundamentally one thing that comes to mind immediately is know yourself and know your value you care about. So pay attention to warning signs, especially when you're in the desperate mode. Either you need people now or you don't have good people. And I would say build solid business first. Make sure that you're building this as a business. Then use investors' money as a rocket fuel or fuel in the fire to make sure the incentives on both sides are aligned. I totally agree with you 100%. All right, well, we're just about out of time for today's show. Matul, thanks for your time investment today, and I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what's the best way for members of our community to reach you if they want to find out about uh, Demand Matrix and they maybe want to work for you? Well, LinkedIn would be the best route. This LinkedIn.com slash IN slash Matul is the URL or Matul Shah, M-W-E-T-U-L-S-H-E-H, or just go to DemandMatrix.com and just click a button that you want to talk to me. I'm fairly accessible there. Yes, guys. And this is a chance to get into a business that's actually making money, (laughs) not burning it. All right. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We're listening and welcome your feedback after all the shows about you. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O dot com. We just redid our website. And uh, you can drop me a line at Rick at stridesearch.com for any other information on our webinars and workshops. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Angelo Ponzi, the founder and president of the Ponzi Group. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio. 